Live from the Paragon 7 Studios, you are listening to the Lanch J Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios. I love Madrip, he makes me match. Joy, my favorite, my nigga, Madrip. Obrigado. So I'm not doing self-help radio. I'm not trying to sell you a, a book or a series of counseling sessions for $39.99. My claim to fame is, is really being I, I'm I'm the best executive corporate talk show host, Af- especially in the African American community. But I'm I'm really one of the best in the country at what I do. I'm adjacent to the Joe Button, Gilly, Drink Champs lane because we got Rampage. We get access to a lot of hip-hop superstars and people like that. We got the sports popping. I'm one of the few people that can interview the starting quarterback, a hip-hop legend, and a CEO in the same day. But really what I do better than anyone, my, my core competency is giving you the perspectives as an African-American male who's been in that boardroom at age 38 Walked into that boardroom with a bunch of people that looked at me and said that you're too, too young to be here, too black to be here. It must be an affirmative action hire. What is Oakwood University? I've never heard of that. Thought that I was going to be of inferior intellect and especially thought that I was going to be of inferior work ethic. And I walked into those boardrooms for many, 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 many years. Filled with middle-aged white men and white women, many of them thinking that I was subhuman. And I would proceed to absolutely boat race and kick their arses up and down that boardroom for an hour and 30 minutes on a monthly basis. And not only did I kick their arses, but then I would spike the ball in the end zone like Travis Kelsey and do the cabbage patch after scoring a touchdown on them. If I was going up against, especially I loved, I loved going up against people that went to Harvard or Yale or Stanford, one of those Ivy League schools that looked at thumb their nose down on me. Thought that I thought that thought that because they went to a better school in the U.S. News World Reports, that they were going to have their way with Lance J in the boardroom, and it would literally be child abuse. I would give them a little extra oomph, and that's what the show is about. That's what I do well. I don't usually talk about, I'm not, a, I'm not a self-help guy. I'm not a Dave Ramsey. I'm not going to say, hey, if you save more money than you make, you might have more money at the end of the month. And if you do that for 40 consecutive years, you might have enough money to retire off of. That's not my thing. I'm not telling people how to experience intimacy and how to have better sex. And how to manipulate the stock market and how to do Bitcoin. I'm not telling people what real estate to buy. 
I'm not telling people how to make a fortune. I'm not, I'm not even telling people how to fry chicken or how to make blueberry crepes. Really, my model is kind of, hey, I, wanna, I want to give you my perspective of what's going on in society, what's going on in the news, all of those things, and then let you make up your mind for yourself. So I talk all the time about vaccinations on this show. If you want to get vaccined, vaccinated, excuse me, if you want to get vaccinated, I support that. If you don't, that's your business. I'm not telling you what to do with your body. I'm not going to tell the federal government they should come to your house and strap you in a gurney and force you to get a vaccine. If you don't want to get a vaccine, I may say, hey, you can't come into Paragon 7 Studios because it's my business that I own 100% of. And it's not the market of beast. It's not tyranny if I don't want you in my business, which I own, because you're not vaccinated. To each his own and to each her own. But one thing I did want to talk about in the, in the, in the area and realm of self-help I wanted to draw from a personal experience that I'm going through. I don't talk a lot about my personal life on the show, but I got a lot going on within my family. got a lot of stuff going on that I'm not going to get extremely explicit about. You listening to me, whether you listen to me on WOL or WVOL or the podcast or our affiliates out in Seattle, Birmingham, on digital radio, wherever, you need to constantly reevaluate your circle of friends. In life, we're constantly looking at medicine, we're looking at theology, we're looking at better ways to build. You've got these 3D printing now. You're looking at auto technology, nanotechnology, computers, all of that stuff. We're constantly evolving, we're constantly getting better. If you don't get better, you're going to be Blockbuster Video, not Netflix. You're going to be IBM not Apple. You're going to be MySpace and not Facebook or Meta or whatever, whatever the hell they're calling it. Meta World Peace. You've got to constantly evaluate your personal relationships, friendships, family, the people that you give your energy and, and power to. You've got to constantly reevaluate that. We get stuck in ruts with people that we've been friends with for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, grew up on the Ave with. Went to high school with, went to college with, lived next door to in, in young adulthood, raised our kids together. But the reality is a lot of times we outgrow friends. And you have to look at your circle. And this doesn't come from a place of anger. There'll be people that listen to this, that think that I'm talking to them. And they will try to manipulate it and say that I'm coming from a place of anger and I'm not coming from a place of freedom. Everyone listening to me, look at your circle of friends. Think about the five or 10 people that you talk to the most, people that you text the most, people that you talk to on the phone the most, people that you see the most day to day. And I'm not talking about business because business is business. You may hate that MFR in the office next door to you, but you got to feed your family. So you got to figure out how to have a good relationship with him or her and have coffee once a quarter and talk about business. I'm talking about your friends. I'm talking about people that you voluntarily give your time, your energy, your power, your support your affirmation, your love to. Think about your friends. Picture those five to 10 people and then ask yourself, am I the smartest person in this group? 
Am I the most educated person in this group? Do I make the best decisions? Meaning that if I made good decisions raising my children, if I made good decisions on finding a life partner, if I made good decisions in career, if I made good decisions the way that I treat people, if I made good financial decisions, do they have money in their 401k? Are they living off their parents? Do they have a good credit score? Have I made good health decisions? Think about, do, your, do, do those people, picture those people, do they have the same work ethic that you have? Are they willing to grind it out and hustle? Or are they waiting for a handout? Are they waiting for someone to show them a sense, the, the sense of entitlement that they have? Are they willing to grind? Do they have dreams? Do they have aspirations? Do those people come from families that represent the same values that you have? Not to say better or worse. But if their family is a bunch of crackheads and your family is a bunch of heads of state people, do you necessarily have the same value system? And then finally, think of, think of, think of these same people. Are these individuals that really support you? Do they really love you? Do they really support you? Do they believe when you go to your friends, these five to 10 people, and you say, hey, I want to open up a new business, or hey, I want to go back to school because I want to be a lawyer, or hey, my kids are going to the best private school, and I'm going to get them in there come hell or high water. Do those people support your dreams, or do they actually detract? They say, oh, no, I don't, I don't, know, if you're, I don't know if you can get into that school. It's a little late for you to want to turn back and go to med school. You want to open up that business? I don't, I don't know about that. I, just, I think that you should play it safe. And if, you, and if you're going through these names in your head and you find out that you're the smartest person in your circle and you're the wealthiest person in your circle and you're the hardest working person in your circle and you're the one that makes good decisions, has a good marriage and loves their kids and your friends are always embroiled in drama and angry and bitter, chasing the wrong people, shallow, only hang out with people that you think are popular, only associate with individuals because you think that it will create the illusion that you are more important than you are, more powerful than you are, then you need to get as far away from that circle as possible. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. I've recently elevated my circle. And I'm going to share, I spent many years, one of the things about going to an HBCU, these schools are very small, it's almost like a family-like environment. And so you, you fall into, you go there, you're 19, 20, you're, you're, you're growing and developing. You fall into these categories that, that you were in 20 years ago. And we all had our stages of awkwardness or we were focused on whatever. Some of us in, in school, we were, were really great leaders and, and focused on student government, stuff like that. Some of us were trapping out. Some of us were, were always high or drunk. Some of us were having a lot of sex in college, goofing off. Some of you were like me. You were, you were a singer, and you are always traveling and singing. Some people were about those grades. I went to college with some people, some of my friends. We got to college. They are like, hey, man, I don't got time to goof off. I don't have time to be playing on intramurals basketball. I'm going to be an anesthesiologist. I'm in the lab studying. But we often address and fall into those categories 
in the HBCU world because it's such a small community. So you go to Ohio State, you go to Ann Arbor Community College, you go to Stanford, you go to Duke, you go to Ivy League, you go to UCLA, you go to Alabama, you go to Texas. Nobody cares about that. Nobody's thinking about who you are. These schools have 50,000 people. They don't know you. Nobody recognizes you. Nobody remembers if you meet that you drove a turquoise Mazda protege when you were in college. Nobody cares about that. But these small HBCUs, people care. People remember you. They'll categorize you based on how popular they thought you were back then. They'll try to project those things on you. And I spent a lot of my adult life trying to impress people. People that I went to college with, went to high school with, grew up with back in Ohio. To prove to those people that I was good enough and I was successful enough and I was smart enough and I was a good enough friend and I was loyal enough. And the truth of the matter is I realized over the years that those people, I use this phrase a lot, they wouldn't urinate on me if I was on fire because they had already made up their mind about me. They made up their mind about me back in 1998, 1999. They had made up their mind that I was good enough to be on the periphery of the inner circle. I was even good enough to be in the inner circle if I provided a need to them and affirmed them and loved them and cherished them and supported them. But they weren't going to give me no affirmation because I wasn't worth it. I wasn't popular enough. I wasn't good looking enough. I wasn't thin enough. I wasn't rich enough. I spent many years of my life chasing after love and affirmation from the wrong people. I don't begrudge those people. It's actually my fault because those people made up their mind on me. Like I said, they made up their mind on me 25 years ago, 20 years ago. I reached the point. I looked around once again, evaluate your circle. I realized, you know, I've been chasing after some of these people. They're not smarter than me. They haven't accomplished more than me. They're not more successful than me. Why would I bow down to people that I went to school with? I've been, I've been a boss in, in healthcare and I'm a boss in media. Everything I touch turns platinum. If you want to know where Lance J has been, you follow the trail of gold and platinum. If you want to know if I spoke into a microphone, you see the microphone glowing which is verification that I had entered the room. I had the gravitas. I couldn't get love from people that I went to college with or high school with or grew up with. But then I started meeting people that were multimillionaires. I got love from them. I got respect from them. I got admiration from them. Those people wanted to empower me to be even better. And it dawned on me, I looked at my circle and I said, you know, a lot of people I've been chasing, they're not doing better than me. They haven't made better decisions than me. They're not more loyal than me. What do they have to offer me? And so I asked myself, back to that visualization, think of those 10 people. I realized that a lot of those people, they were actually draining me. They were taking from me, but they weren't replenishing and so instead of throwing a tantrum, I didn't go on Facebook or Instagram, have some long rant. I didn't name people. I didn't blow people up personally. I didn't gossip about people. I didn't go on a negative campaign against people. I stopped taking 
their calls. I stopped answering their DMs. I stopped answering their text messages. And I said that I wasn't going to let people who truly have accomplished less, of inferior intellect, have worse lives, and ultimately don't even respect me, don't believe in me, won't affirm me. I decided that I wasn't going to give those people any more of my power. And I moved on. And people were flabbergasted because they were so used to me giving them my power and my energy. And I decided I wasn't going to do it anymore. And the funny thing happened. When I stopped giving my power to people that didn't believe in me, that didn't believe when I opened up Paragon 7 Studios, didn't believe in my podcast, made fun of my podcast, said I was not popular enough and not good enough of an athlete to pull this off. People that didn't believe in my dreams, people that would not pour into me. When I stopped giving those people my energy, they were blown away. And I found out there were people around the corner, a mile long, standing in line that wanted to be a part of my life and appreciate what I brought to the table and wanted to love on me and wanted to pour into me and wanted to mentor me and wanted to support me and wanted to affirm me. And I'm telling those that are listening, think of those 10 people. If seven of those people are rats and won't affirm you because they're out chasing somebody else for Instagram likes, move your business elsewhere and you'll be a much happier and well-rounded person. Lance J Show. I ain't snitching on nobody from Harlem, man. I give you a couple cats down in D.C. doing their thing, out of town doing their thing, but um, I'm not snitching on nobody in Harlem because when I come home, I'm still going to be the king. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. We begin searching for ways to not only feed, not only bridge the access to food, but how can we fight disease? Quite naturally, that required, it was a must that we figure out how to get fresh produce, crisp greens, leafy greens, and fruits and herbs and vegetables directly to the front door of those families that needed it the most. And so we finally come out with a solution and we call that Full Cart Fresh. We have teamed up with some of the, the greatest people in America, our American farmers. And through working with a collaborative of farmers across multiple states, we have created Full Cart Fresh. So imagine this, you're at a farm, the produce is picked and prepared, and it's boxed in a Full Cart Fresh box at the farm. And then through our shipping and logistics uh, program, we ship directly from the farm, directly to the front door of the most vulnerable families in America. We have got families and seniors and children around the country who are hungry and as well as hungry are really managing and coping with serious illnesses and diseases. So come along, help us. Help feeding children everywhere through our Full Cart program and the launch of our new Full Cart Fresh. Help those families in need.
listen, if you listen to this show, you knew that I was gonna have some jokes on Jim Harbaugh and Ann Arbor Community College. Now I don't I don't talk about scum, lowercase S C capital U M. I don't talk about our little brothers. Cause even though even though this show is, is really based out of Nashville and DC, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, man. I'm a I'm I'm six one four to the core, baby. To the casket closes. I'm a central Ohioan. I know, I know about High Street. That's 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 my area. That's those are my stomping grounds, man. Upper Upper Arlington, Worthington, Ohio, Westerville, Dublin. Come on now. So a few things, few things entertain me more than watching Michigan spit the bit, which they continue to do. And I hadn't talked about them in a long time because. Ann Arbor Community College football has not been impressive, and they've been—they've really sucked. We know that they can't beat Sparty, and we know—I mean, they literally can't beat Ohio State at all. But they can't even really beat Sparty, so they can't beat Big Brother, and now they're not able to beat Little Brother. They're about fifty-fifty with Penn State. But Michigan ultimately is the fourth best program in the, in the Big Ten East. Not the Big Ten. They're the fourth best program in the Big Ten East. Now, if they paid Jim Harbaugh to be the fourth best program in the Big Ten East, it is what it is. I mean, it's business. Like, Texas A&M is the fourth best program in the SEC West. And Jimbo Fisher is making a lot of money. But they're still inferior to LSU. Not when Coach O is there and doesn't have Joe Burrow. But a typical LSU team that has all that talent. LSU's above them. Auburn's above them. And, of course, Alabama's above them. And I wasn't paying attention to the game over the weekend because Michigan was up. Michigan was up at one point, 30 to 14. And I was kind of moving on. It's like, it looks like Michigan and Ohio State are heading on a showdown at the big house. Michigan's going to come into that game 11-0, Ohio State. Hopefully, it's going to come into that game 10-1. and one. Usually, whoever wins the Big Ten East wins the Big Ten because the only thing you have is 59 and nothing Wisconsin in your way or Iowa, who can only score seven points a game in your way or maybe Nebraska in your way. And I don't see Tom Osborne and Tommy Frazier or Lawrence Phillips walking in that room. I know that Lawrence Phillips isn't alive. Rest in peace. But I don't see... The black shirts walking into that room. I don't see Trev Alberts walking into that room anytime soon. But of course, Michigan couldn't close because Michigan can't close. And there's a reason that Ann Arbor Community College is Ann Arbor Community College. Jim Harbaugh's record against Ohio State and Michigan is three and nine with a fat Owen Sixer against the Ohio State University. Now, it's one thing to be Herb's concubine because Herb made everyone his concubine. Literally, you look at the pictures online. He's got concubines at the bar. He's getting a lapper with his wife in the background, which is a boss move by the record. I know this, I'm doing shtick, making fun of, of Michigan, but, but it's, it's a boss move. You've got you've to be really secure in your job to be coaching an NFL team and after starting off 0-4, getting your face kicked in, be like, nah, I'm not getting on this flight. 
we're in Cincinnati. Uh, I'm not getting on the flight back to Jacksonville. I'm actually going to get, I'm going to rent a car. I'm going to get on I-71. I'm going to go to I-71 North to Columbus. This is where my family still lives, where we're beloved from winning championships at Ohio State. And then I'm going to go to a bar, and I'm going to get hammered, and I'm going to get a lap dance from some brunette lady, and it's going to get filmed. You guys, you guys get on the flight and talk about that loss and how we sucked and how we got thrashed by the Bengals. You guys take care of that. Assistant coaches, you take care of that. Team captains, you talk about that on the plane, man. I got, I got stuff to do. I, I'm going to hang out with the family. I need a break. It's only game four, but but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take some me time. I'm gonna I'm gonna exhibit some self care, and that's the legacy of Urban Meyer. But Jim Harbaugh's legacy is a is a much worse legacy. They you you can't beat Herb, but now you can't beat Coach Day. I thought that Michigan was actually gonna beat Ohio State this year until I saw them collapse against Sparty. If you can't beat Little Brother, you're probably not gonna beat Big Brother. It'll be more of the same old, same old. So you get, you get to a crossroads. Does Michigan become the next Texas? Does Michigan, are they at a point where Ann Arbor Community Colleges thinks that they're better than they really are? Like Nebraska thought. Or are you a program that's just a 9-3 and three program and that's as good as it's going to get? Because Michigan's a great school. Michigan's a better school than Ohio State. Michigan's a better school than Penn State. Michigan's a better school than pretty much all the schools in Big Ten except Northwestern. Are you becoming the Vanderbilt of the North? But it really, it really starts to because if they can't beat Ohio State, that'll be that'll be nineteen out of twenty one, and one of those games was was the Terrell Pryor tattoo gate forfeit. You would have lost twenty out of twenty one games to Ohio State on the field. You know how bad you got to be to lose to someone twenty out of twenty one times in anything. Jim Harbaugh and Ann Arbor Community College are teetering on permanent oblivion. You're a couple of bad games away from being Nebraska. You're a couple of bad games away from being Texas. You're a couple of bad games away from being Virginia Tech. You're a couple of bad games away from being one of those programs that absolutely, the the U, Miami, that absolutely eroded and withered and died because you weren't good enough and we're very close to watching that happen. And I'm going to be honest. I'm here for it. I love it. Because I hate Ann Arbor Community College. I hope you go 0-13 next year. Paragon 7 Studios. You are listening to the Lanch J Radio Network. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7 Studios. Studios. At Industrious, we don't want anything to get between you and your great day. That's why our private offices and suites come with everything you need to safely connect with your teammates in person or over Zoom so you can make every day a great one. Go to industriousoffice.com. Enjoy a great day at Industrious on us when you book a tour at industriousoffice.com.